Yeah, we're back in the motherfucking comics corner, baby. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. As usual, it is the one, the only, your Uncle P in studio with the world famous engineer to the stars, Sean, producer. Yo. What's happening? I got headphones now. Dude, I really you got, pro. I believe in the industry, we call them cans. Yeah, I got my cans on. Got your cans on. I love, Yohei asked me that the first time we ever recorded. If Shouldn't we all be wearing headphones? And I was like, dude, what kind of show do you think we got running here, all right? I'm not buying you fucking headphones. Put your AirPods in and pretend like you're listening if you want to. What uh, What's been happening, though, bud? We got some updates. Uh, Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. We're Tech City out here. Why don't you uh, enlighten the people? Uh, so we got what? We got the new mixer. So we're getting Sean's getting this thing figured out. This is kid on Christmas style, just getting all the all the gadgets worked out. I know, pretty much. I mean, it's exciting though. Now we're gonna be officially at least three mic, right? Yes, uh, I hope so because I was having some issues, but the big we have intro music now. I guess Dude, that's one we thing. got intro music. I'm sure people are gonna hear that. We got some killer licks going down. Let people know that this machine eats nerds. Um. But what have you been getting into comics-wise, man? Comics-wise, I don't think I mentioned Black Science yet. I meant to mention it last issue, yeah. but, or last episode. I like um, calling them issues. Issue number 17, Comics Corner 17, which is now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Ooh, and if you want to, make sure you go to patreon.com backslash threads and dreads and donate that five bucks and get a bunch of extra episodes. We're even recording another one today. Oh, yeah. Y'all ain't even ready, dude. But, uh, yeah, I kind of started reading Black Science. So I got through like the first story just while I was kind of doing some other miscellaneous things. Um, pretty intense. Yeah, it's I mean, intense. So that first story is, I'm guessing, the book I had said book one, but I know sometimes runs work a little differently. It's, it is, yeah, first six issues. Yeah, it's that first one with uh, little Frog Planet style. Right. I mean, they go right into spoilers, but I mean, it's within the first like six panels of them just killing off people that i assumed were going to be big in the story yeah and but the big thing about it is it's the whole multiple universes and and uh timelines kind of deal you, you you'll know spoiler i guess there's a little spoilers but you'll see some of these people come back because okay. there's different versions of so them. it is very uh you know time variants very exiles kind of mu- traveling through a multiverse slash timeline issue thing they, they call it the onion Cause then that's why they have that little logo. The layers, if you're pe- peeling back the layers. Yeah, nice. It's actually really cool how he goes into describing that the main character Grant. Yeah, it. I love the art in it. Yeah, it. Like you even said, I read that first book in probably maybe like five minutes because it was just such an easy, quick through read on it. Yeah, and it brings it's more you like in. a storyboard. Yeah, it's kind of storyboardish, and it brings you in really quick. That there's not this big drag of. Um, composition beforehand to be like, oh, what's happening or what's going on with this? You're just like, oh, cool. All right. Someone's shot in the face and this dude is definitely trying to save his family. And then he's just cutting motherfuckers heads off that have like electric tongues and whipping them around. In that first book, doesn't his one version of himself show up? Uh, Um, So it's like him and his wife 
show up. It's a different timeline or version of Grant McKay and his wife, and they're like trying to get the children because they're like, yeah, like you kill them every <laughs> every time. Yeah, you're oh, this dude basically is a colossal failure. It sounds like, and he's just constantly killing his wife and kids. And then there's like, it's almost has that. It's very cerebral in the sense that it's almost the. Uh, concept like a butterfly effect kind of deal or like like the, i think of the time machine okay. where it's like oh no matter how many times you replay the same event or try to do it differently the results are always the same they're e yeah either the same or they kind of end up being worse which or is worse yeah which is always the classic time travel issue mm -hmm. of you know hey we went back and fixed something but now the entire world's just completely fucking blown yeah, and like the one guy, I think it's Kandar is his name, or okay. I, I'm, I feel like I'm mispronouncing it, but he's like the project leader, like he's the money man. Classic. Like there's some kind of classic tropes in there, yeah, like the, like, oh, well, I'm the money guy, but I want to oversee everything, I want to be a part of the expedition kind of deal. Um, but then you find out that basically the whole time he's like, oh, I met Graham McKay in college and he was a fucking dickhead and I'm just trying to get back at him, I want him to fail. Oh, so this dude's in it for the vengeance. Yeah, he exactly like, and he's the one that sabotages the the, the device, which is called the pillar, which yeah, allows them to go to all these different timelines. Uh, and that's what the the one version of Grant McKay reveals to the other version. He goes, "Yeah, you." Uh, he, he sabotages it every time. He's he's it's always his fault. Like both of them, actually, it's both it's always both. So their they're faults. both they're both in kind of a constant uh, Batman Joker struggle. Yeah, of like. One dude sets it up. The other one's like, yeah, I'm just going to do this and fuck you up. Well, it's like whatever they do, like the same thing, getting back to the time machine thing, two things always happen. Grant McKay always kills the kids, whether on, on usually on accident. Yeah. Or And then Kandar is always sabotaging everything. So, yeah, it's like and it's like they're trying to break this loop. They're, they're trying. Yeah. And, and the thing that's cool about the machine, too, this device, the pillar, it time jumps randomly sometimes they'll be that's in a place for three hours sometimes they'll be there for three months yeah because i think you did mention that you might have touched on it a little bit in the last episode but yeah that it's kind of that um it's a time jump when they don't necessarily know when the jump is do they have to complete some kind of task on each planet before the time jump? no it's completely it's random. all random yeah. okay and for those that don't aren't familiar with the story, the whole purpose of this device was to like get resources from other realities, uh, that you know, medicine or you know, resources, things like that, to help whatever current Earth they're on. You know, which you know doesn't seem fucking problematic at all <laughs> to just go into other universes and multiverses to steal and strip their resources. Yeah. So one of the cool scenes in that Black Science is uh, one of the first time jumps they do or whatever. Is uh, it's World War One German soldiers with like the tin hats okay, yeah. versus these very futuristic Native Americans. I was kind of looking at that where it almost looked like they were like Aztec, but they had like all like the biotech and everything as well. Yeah. So the shaman, the Indian shaman that becomes a part of their like crew, does a backstory at one point about like they got they somehow got their hands on a because there's a there's like a hundreds of versions of the pillar yeah so in all these realities they all have their own pillar so that's why it's getting really crazy because all these people are just like hopping around uh different realities and shit it's and insane just kinda, i like those stories though because then you get a fresh take every time you kind of go into it mm -hmm. there is like a continuing story but those certain sometimes those universes don't have as much like momentum as other ones so some universes you're like, oh fuck, I want to hear all about this, and then you get into other ones and you're like, yeah, the story's still progressing and it's really good, but the universe or the timeline or multiverse they're in just kind of falls flat, and you're like, 
I get it. It's all frog people, or it's this or that. <laughs> and sometimes it's not as interesting, but then you jump into ones where you're like, I could read a hundred issues on just whatever the fuck is going on in this timeline yeah. alone. And you're like, yeah, those are what help draw you into just like, okay, this one might've been a little bit slower. Next one. You're like, fuck yeah, this rips. I, you know, and it's, it's good and bad. There's actually a lot of issues and like, I'm really starting to dig it. So now I feel like I'm going to spend a ton of money just buying these black science buying, issues. I was going to say, how, do you know how many, how long it ended up going? It might, I don't know. There's at least eight books. Cause okay. I was at, um, I want to shout out a new comic book shop in Lakewood. Uh, it's called Ooh. Superscript. Where uh, where are we talking is, about? Uh, ch- pretty much Chesterland and uh, Madison, across the street from Woodstock. I know exact. I was just I drove past it the other day and was wondering what was going on there. What's the inside looking like? Um, it's it's chill. I mean, they have uh, they got a lot of board games and they have a lot. Of, they're doing like they're into the trading card scene too. Yeah, but a whole wall of graphic novels. Um, if you sign up for their rewards program, so you, you not only do you get XP points or whatever, you get 10% off graphic novels just for, oh, being really? a, just for giving them your email address, which is not, I mean, yeah. it's a pretty good fucking deal. And at least like, especially on those graphic novels, saving a couple bucks on them does kind of pay off. Yeah. I saved two bucks on a $10 book, you know? So, yeah. um, they have back issues, but they're more modern, like two okay. thousands and stuff. But, uh, I picked up another, uh, uh, sale and lobe combo, Batman. Oh, um, so it's a prequel to Long Halloween. Okay, and I think it's called something Night. I can't remember. I was Hollow Nights or I was gonna say that I know there's a sec a book after it called Dark Victory. Okay, but I'm not sure. This I, one's a prequel. and It's much shorter. I was gonna say I can see that there would be like, what's the prequel kind of like touch on? Is it more? It's co- like specific nights, Halloween nights in Gotham, like other storylines oh. from, specifically from Halloween. Okay, and like the Joker's in one of them. I just kind of thumbed through. I didn't read it yet. But. Same kind of art style and everything. Yeah, I'll though. let you borrow it when I'm done. Damn that! I'll go on record every episode saying that is one of my all-time favorite books. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm interested because it's the same two guys and it's to, a good team up to continue on some timeline time travel type stuff. We've gotten a little bit more info on Loki series dropping very soon here. I want to say June 6th. Um, But from what I've gathered, it sounds like the storyline is going to revolve around Loki helping fix timelines and more specifically stopping other versions of Loki. Right. So they have casted someone. I think we're going to be seeing Lady Loki. Which I know a lot of people in the comics are. She's a big comic fave. It was definitely the time when they were just like, we're just gonna switch every comic book character over to a woman. <laughs> it was like the overcorrection to them not having diversity in comics as much. And they were just like, okay, Thor's a lady now, Loki's a lady, every one or Iron Man's Superman. a woman. Yeah. Which I don't have a problem with having diversity in comics. Obviously, that's how the world works, so it should just kind of mirror that diversity that just naturally occurs in the world. When they like start switching people up on purpose just to like pander, you can kind of see it, and people always jump on those characters really hard to be like, this is Thor. Thor's always a woman. Right. And you're like, okay, I get it. I, I like the storyline, too. Let's not all get carried away and just change everyone over to like, 
we're sex swapping everyone. Yeah, I never heard of Lady Loki. I wonder, are they going to talk about like an end game? Remember that when they go back to New York and he like actually gets the Tesseract and like dips? So that's got to be referenced. That version of Loki that dips with the Tesseract during end game is going to be the main version of Loki in that show. So that version of Loki, it's the basically Loki before he kind of gains whatever little redemption arc he kind of gets throughout the rest of Marvel movies. It's Loki right after Avengers, so he's still grade A piece of shit. And he somewhere in between him taking the Tesseract, I imagine they're basically just going to immediately arrest him through the time variance. And yeah, that's the one that we follow throughout that whole storyline of him getting basically a second redemption arc Yeah, of... All right, cool. We killed off the one that was kind of becoming an okay guy, so now we're just going to do that whole arc over again, but this time with Owen Wilson. I, you know, I think it's going to be good. I'm excited for it. Loki's a cool character. He's not my favorite, but um, what is his name? Tom Hildson. Tom Hiddleston does a just a great job. Phenom- just a, he's just he nails the character. That character, if they didn't cast Tom Hiddleston in that role, I think that that character falls to the wayside much sooner than. Like, I don't even know if he makes it past Thor, the second Thor, right. Dark World. Because you could honestly do a lot of the Thor stuff or parts of the movie that he's in with other characters and just swap them out. It is the charisma that he kind of brings to the character. And that sense of being an asshole and being a complete piece of shit, but also still being likable in a weird way. Which yeah. is a very... That's a very nuanced thing to pull off because... It's really easy to just seem like a complete asshole and people be like, yeah, you're despicable. But Tom Hiddleston does have this weird like, oh, I get it. He's like, I'm just, I'm just goofing. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, uh, this guy's just trying to show up his older brother who's an asshole, too. Yeah. Like they did Thor. That was the only good parts of the first two Thor movies is uh, Chris Hemsworth does kind of play a really dry douchebaggy version of Thor that that dry version lets Tom Hiddleston have more of a comedic and charming role to it because you're like, you know what? I'm kind of on this guy's side because Thor does seem like kind of an asshole. He's like, give me a break. My older brother's a dick. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, guess what? I just found out I was adopted too. So I've been looking up to this guy who just kind of spits on me. (laughs) And did I mention my life is a lie? (laughs) Yeah. Everything about me is untrue. So I'm super excited to hear about that, or to finally see that coming up, which is, what, two weeks away now? Yeah, the 9th, June 9th. Um, and some other Marvel news, because you know I'm always blasting out some Marvel knowledge. Blast it, bro. Um, Midnight Suns is potentially getting either a TV series or a movie. So what Midnight Suns is, I was kind of talking to you about it a little bit before, it's kind of Marvel's version of Justice League Dark. So you got Blade in there. Nice. You have um, Ghost Rider in there. You get Hannibal King, which a lot of people might not recognize the name, but Ryan Reynolds plays him in Blade Trinity. Gotcha. So he actually is a character that's kind of almost a Constantine type of character in Marvel Comics. Obviously, the Blade Trinity rendition of Ryan Reynolds doing 
really funny goofs and gags and talking about his balls the whole time <laughs> is uh, not so comic accurate. But yeah, they, they're they going to bring him back. Damian Hellstrom, who had a short-lived TV show on Hulu. So they did a Hellstrom TV show after Marvel was already sold to Disney, but it was still under contract to Hulu. So basically, I imagine halfway through production, they were like, hey, guys, who gives a fuck about this show? Let's just finish it, and uh, we're never going to get renewed. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to get some more of that. I don't know who else is necessarily all involved in it, but I love me some Blade, dude, and I like some vampires. Oh, Moon Knight's also in there. There you go. Okay. So I think we're going to begin some... You excited to see vampires potentially in the Marvel Universe? Or do you I think, think it's too I much? I think it'll just kind of freshen things up a little bit. Just kind of, uh, you know, give some new blood into it. No pun intended. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it's... I don't think it's going to be necessarily vampires in the way we think of them. I think they're going to be more how comic book movies do uh, insequential bad guys of that just kind of turn into, like, smoke or dust or something after they get killed. So I don't think they're going to just be slaughtering human beings left and right. I think it's just going to be more, these are demon vampires from the underworld. And they also can't probably use vampires because China hates it. Oh, that's, they're not down with vampires. No, there's like a lot of things that they just completely, I heard that they're not even releasing Shang-Chi in, which also figured out that's the correct pronunciation is Shang-Chi, not Shang-Chi. I never knew that. I, I don't think anyone knew that until probably someone corrected everyone with this movie. <laughs> but um, they were saying... They're like, not, we're not down. Yeah, they were saying it's not even getting a r- premiere in China, which I blew my mind. Yeah, so there is like a lot of like censorship and this and that. A buddy of mine, shout out Danny Weeds, actually uh, did the screenplay for a movie that came out a couple years ago called Alpha. Okay. And... It actually made it onto the Chinese market, which was huge for him because it yeah. actually didn't. I mean, it was had a little bit of a boom in the states, but uh, it you know just the sheer number of people in China. That's a thing. Did wonders at the box office. You, they have global. That's, that's where a lot of those movies that we don't necessarily see as huge hits here in America end up getting sequels and all this other. You know, they seem way bigger because you're like, damn, dude these hit in overseas markets. Like, yeah. Well, then uh, he got a Netflix contract. So then they landed on Netflix. That was nice for him. And then also, uh, it was like the number one Netflix movie in some country, like the no- number one pick, like Turkey really? or some shit. Yeah, so that's huge. So we're going to dive into uh, one of our uh, Marvel year by years. And this is kind of a key year. It's 1970. Classic. Uh, title is At the End of an Era. So basically what we have going on, it's the end of the Silver Age of comics, and we're now entering the Bronze Age. It's the end of acid and the beginning of cocaine. <laughs> Pretty much. I wonder I wonder what uh I wonder if they had some wild parties at the Marvel office oh, back in the day. Dude, I can guarantee you half these Marvel store you don't come up with, you know, the old gods not on acid, dude. Okay, so this is actually dude, it gets even better. Um very relevant. Uh nineteen seventy in January we have the introduction of uh, Agatha Harkness. In Fantastic Four, number 94. The uh, Marvel's number one babysitter. (laughs) So yeah, Agatha Harkness was... I mean, now everyone thinks of Katherine Hahn from WandaVision, but she's had a long history in Marvel of just, yeah, literally being like a babysitter for all these people. Like when she first 
entered the Marvel Universe. I'm pretty sure the Fantastic Four just hired her as a babysitter for Franklin Richards. And the funny thing about it is it's like, who the fuck even is just like, okay, so we just need you to babysit. Keep an eye out for, like, you know, intergalactic problems, Doctor Doom, Dragon Man. Uh, if the Earth starts shaking, definitely call us. Like, where are the Fantastic Four going? How long are they gone for that they're like, we're going into outer space, so we're going to need you for at least a couple days. <laughs> I can't just, you know, come back right away. But we left money for pizza. Yeah. But... <laughs> What if I want wings? Yeah. <laughs> God it's, damn it, Franklin. It's, it's shut not, the hell up. It's not enough. They, um, yeah, she, speaking of Catherine Hahn, though, just did some interviews for, she's going to be in Knives Out 2, and she's hope, she said she's all ready to come back to Marvel, so I'm hoping we see more Agatha Harkness in the future. Oh, absolutely, because um, she crushed that role. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back in a big way. Uh, moving on to... Oh, this is still in January. Uh, we have the debut of Sunfire. I don't know if you're familiar with him yep. from the X-Men. Uh, X-Men number 64, created by writer Roy Thomas and artist Don Heck. A uh, big Roy Thomas fan myself. He wrote a lot of awesome uh, Doctor Strange stories. He, I was just say, he was an early all-star over at Marvel. Yeah, and he, and he wrote a lot of Avengers stories. I think he eventually became the editor-in-chief. I was going to say, I know, sure. I want to say, too, that Sunfire was like one of the earlier um, Asian characters to... Kind of get highlighted in a non, non-traditional Asian or Asian American way. That it's not kind of like when they were just doing like Fu Manchu and just very like pandering, like kind of exploitation style of people. This was like the first time it's just like, this guy's a superhero. Yeah. He's on the X-Men. He has like regular powers. There's not like some weird dumb thing that he just has like, there's no dragon just following him for some reason. They're like... Yeah, this is like we can just show people of different ethnicities as just like everyday people. Yeah, and uh, you know it's like what do you say, Mut mutant exploitation? <laughs> yeah, it is like I mean, because he was part of that group with the giant size X Men that came out and reinvented like that whole team and made it very multicultural and very open to other people. Yeah, so this is you know. Oh, about five years before Giant Size X-Men, but you're starting to see, like, they want to do more with this story. They're trying to make it more interesting. Yeah, because that's when X-Men were kind of floundering at that time, too, I believe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And then they even, like, you know, they try some interesting storylines. So in February of the same year, um, Xavier, Charles Xavier, who was dead, is, like, resurrected. He, like, sacrificed himself. Surprise, surprise. So in the very next issue, after uh, Sunfire appears in X-Men 65, um seemed like he sacrificed himself, but they resurrect him. So I mean, to be fair, half his body is already dead, so it's really not even like that big of a commitment. But of course, Professor X has died probably six million times. And they're just like, he's back. His brain can never die. I want to read another quick storyline from February of 1970. Um, this is the Black Panther is framed in Avengers number 73. This is interesting. So the Sons of the Serpent is a cabal of costumed racists. Uh, schemed, Sounds about right. Yeah, they schemed to uh, ferment racial hatred by framing the Black Panther as a criminal in the story written by Roy Thomas. However, Black Panther thwarted their plot and continued his success as Marvel's first black superhero. So 
I love that a cabal of costumed racists. Yeah, I mean that's honestly pretty much what's still going on today. Is just like oh yeah, they I, wear costumes. Yeah, uniforms. they're all in costume. Except I wouldn't ever give any of them the credit to call them a cabal, which sounds like an organized group of people. Yeah, their costumes now are just red hats. Yeah, now it's just people on uh, a Reddit or 4chan thread that are like, yeah, we're like a cabal, and you're like. No, you're not. You're losers. No, they don't like that term. They, that's how they describe the uh, you know Hollywood elite ring of pedos. Oh, you know? the cabal. It's a cabal of sick, adrenaline drinking fucking. Such a good buzzword <laughs> to make any group of people sound like the most notorious yeah, sinister group. as yeah. fuck, dude. <laughs> that's that's a step away from just calling them the Legion of Doom. Um. So man, X Men is rolling right from number sixty four to sixty five to X Men sixty six. Canceled. Canceled. So this is when they're, you know, in between this and Giant Size X-Men, they're like, listen, it's just not working out. So. Yeah, because from that point on, they were just, they were still, um, they were still producing X-Men comics, but I'm pretty sure they were all just reprints between yeah, the time were. of cancellation to Giant Size. Which yes, is after Xavier's resurrected, apparently he falls into a life-threatening coma in what would be the series' last issue. Well, you know, now what a bummer. You die, you get brought back just to fall back into a coma. Like, with writing like that, how the fuck could you have canceled such a great comic? Yeah, well, <laughs> they make this seems like a pretty cool issue. Uh, they, they go to the help of Bruce Banner uh, for, like, a cure. Okay. So they, they go to see him in Las Vegas for some reason. I oh, guess. because Bruce Banner loves Las Vegas. Because yeah. at one point he becomes uh it's a version of the Grey Hulk. It's when Bruce Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's, and he just becomes a bouncer at a club. I think that's like a that's like a later storyline. That's more like eighties, right? Yeah, it's like an eighties line. That's a good line, yeah. I forget what his name is, but he it's so great because he just wears a white tuxedo and he's just the Hulk the whole time. Yeah. And then halfway through that storyline, I'm pretty sure Wolverine's like yeah, you know what? Being a superhero does fucking suck. Let's just be bouncers at a casino. Yeah, there's an awesome drawing of... Uh, Those two back-to-back. Yeah. They, they, someone came in on Comic Book Men with a variant of that cover. Okay. It just It's like the proportion's kind of off, but it actually I think it looks a little cooler than the actual cover of that issue. I've seen a t-shirt with that cover yeah, on it. Yeah, it's sweet, dude. He's like leaning on the Hulk. Yeah, those that tee alone I know is like a $400 shirt. Fucking B-boy style. But yeah, so X-Men was canceled due to poor sales, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. we all know he's going to come back in a big and the way. X-Men never come back again, and we forgot about them. Um, so we got some other little things worth mentioning that captain marvel returns and captain marvel number 20 uh carol danvers captain marvel no this is the uh, uh the male the i don't know his real name not jan rog okay so uh you know Maybe. marvel versus the hawk um so it oh, was yeah, it is marvel so <laughs> it says captain marvel returns and leaves so there's a six months get six month gap where there's no captain marvel so then this issue comes back uh, Dude, Marvel was drawn really... by Gil Kane. Very, you know, not to be slept on. Amazing Silver Age oh, artist yeah. for the uh, Green Lantern and all that good stuff. But uh, so again, they put him against the Hulk. Hulk keeps showing up. They're just trying to put him in everything. And then the series was canceled, only to return in 1972. You, I bet Hulk was in all this shit because was this prime time of Lou Ferrigno TV show? I don't think it came out quite yet. But it, I probably you if know, it was, even if it was gearing up, I'm oh, sure yeah. Marvel was like, "Dude, put the Hulk in anything we can. We need this property to work." So we have uh, in July of 1970, Fantastic Four Centennial issue, uh, number 100. 
uh, with your classic uh, criminal masterminds like the Mad Thinker and Mind Control from the Puppet Master. They attack the Fantastic Four with android doubles of the past foes. Clap. Always. If you're going to make android doubles, who is in the design room for that to be like, hey, I know we have indestructible androids and stuff, but wouldn't it be fun if we dressed them up as like Victor Von Doom and Dragon Man and stuff? And they were like, that's going to be another ten million dollars to get that and they're like listen they said money's no thing okay i think it's gonna be fun and we're gonna really scare the fantastic four before we kill them androids classic uh just a few more things before we wrap it up in august of 1970 the inhumans and black widow share a comic in amazing adventures number one um are you an inhumans guy i've never been a big inhumans fan no i think inhumans have always just been second fiddle to mutants and Marvel had a huge push on Inhumans fairly recently, but that was more of a fuck you to Fox when Fox still owned the X-Men and Marvel wasn't able to use any of that stuff. And they were like, well, they were going to do this big, huge movie. And Vin Diesel was supposed to play Black Bolt. And there's all these fan casts. That actually would have been kind of cool. Yeah, they have all (laughs) these fan castings for it. That never ended up panning out. They did a... Uh, pilot for an Inhumans TV show, which if you want to watch one of the worst Marvel shows of all time, Inhumans pilot is up there to just classic bad TV. Yeah, I might have to give that a watch. Um, but yeah, I think I don't even think Marvel fucks with the Inhumans anymore. They were a big in the Jack Kirby Fantastic Four run I was reading. Yeah, which leads up, it actually is the main storyline that leads up to right before uh, Galactus and Silver Surfer show up. Um, but yeah, they're kind of whack. I think the only, my only question is going to be involving the Inhumans is, so Kamala Khan, who plays Miss Marvel, um, is technically an Inhuman. So I'm wondering, I know they're introducing her into the Marvel MCU, whether they bridge the gap and call her an Inhuman and try to bring that storyline back, or if they kind of leave it ambiguous that she just got powers. Mm-hmm. And they just don't even touch on it because there's so much to unpack with Inhumans too. Like there's such a history and storyline behind them that to just mention it and try to do an abridged version of them would make no sense. And uh, a couple other weird mashups. So that was Inhumans and Black Widow. This next one they have in the same month, they come out with um, Astonishing Tales number one, Kazar and Doctor Doom in the same book. Two very different characters. Worth mentioning, though. All Um, tech, no tech. (laughs) Right. And um, one other thing to mention, kind of a key issue, November 1970 is The Amazing Spider-Man number 90, Death of Captain George Stacy. So that's definitely, that's kind of a good big pivot point. That's definitely a key issue people sought after. I mean, because who dies first, Gwen Stacy or... Captain Stacy dies first. Mm. His dad, her dad, dies first, and it's like that big nod. They actually do reference it in the Andrew Garfield, uh, yeah, Spider-Man. When Dennis he's like, Leary, yeah, Dennis Leary. But he like he's like, oh, I, he knows that he's Peter Parker's Spider-Man, and that's like <laughs> the first person to actually like know his identity. That's kind of also why it's kind of key. I mean, if you're any cop, any kind of detective, it should be fairly obvious that Peter Parker, the only guy that gets photos of him. Is Spider Man? Yeah, they're like, how'd you get that photo of him in the bathroom? And he's like, I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for our Marvel year by year. A little uh, mini episode for you guys. A little today. mini episode, but just so everyone knows, make sure you're coming out to Mayhall Lanes on 
May 22nd for an amazing vintage flea market. I'll be there. PM Threads will be vending. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of stuff going on. Make sure you are checking out Sense Pizza and Goods. They're at Sense on Instagram. And also checking out Fuego Fermentations on Instagram and getting that good hot sauce. Sean, you got any extra plugs or anything? No, nothing for me. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we're going to record a Patreon episode here. I actually have two that I have to upload for you guys. So if you want some extra content, head over to patreon.com backslash threads and dreads. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Shout out since pizza. Yeah. Or have you like